Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, Evan, yesterday we started off with the rookie quarterbacks. I think it's only fair to talk about the second-year quarterbacks now. And Denver, we talked about quarterback odds a few weeks ago. Um, Denver, I believe Trevor Simeon was the expected starter, but a lot of the local beat writers said to put money on Paxson Lynch. I've heard plenty of the last few weeks that this team wants Paxson Lynch to emerge as the starter. They like him, especially John Elway. However, he's done nothing of the sort in training camp. And to me, Evan, it shows that they want him to be the starter because they went out of their way before this game to even say, hey, Paxton starting game two, no matter what. So, Evan, it didn't matter if he played well if he didn't, and especially if he didn't, because they just had the ability to say, hey, he's going to play because we already said he's going to play. What did you think of his first game, his first performance? Because I thought it was absolutely awful. I'm just not, I'm just concerned that he's just, he's a bust, Yeah, you know? And I mean, Charles Robinson of Yahoo, your buddy had that story. It was like the Broncos are concerned that there has not been progress made. And Trevor Simeon has outplayed Paxton Lynch in every single practice session, which, you know, a bunch of Broncos fans that, that outraged them. Uh, but you know, Trevor Simeon is a better quarterback than, than Paxton Lynch. And believe you me, like last year, I loved Paxton Lynch's skill set. And, you know, he's a big, he's like a, he's like a video game quarterback. I mean, he's <laughs> huge. He's super athletic. He's got a rocket arm and some guys, sometimes guys just don't have it. And we have seen nothing from Paxton Lynch. Right. Um, you know, that, that suggests that, that he's got it. And, Tre- and Trevor Simeon, put simply, is a better option for the Broncos and gives them a better chance to move the ball uh, and play to their strengths as a team, uh, which is going to be their defense and their wide receiver core. And Trevor Simeon is going to be throwing bubble screens to Demarius this year. And he had a, he showed great chemistry with Emmanuel Sanders in particular last season. I, I just they're, they're a better football team with Trevor Simeon. And again, yesterday we mentioned that, you know, Houston tried to get um, Deshaun Watson outside the pocket, which they did. The Bears tried to do it with Mitch Trubisky, which they did. The Broncos tried to do that with Paxton Lynch, and he still failed. Like his, and I'm not all about you know mechanics Twitter here in the mechanics community because I'm not a quarterback coach. But it's just it's all off. Like he's sailing passes, none of it's accurate. It's the timing's off. I I would be surprised if Paxton chose anything different, and now he has to play you know against starters. Um, on a positive note for the Broncos, Evan, I thought D'Angelo Henderson looked amazing. Absolutely amazing. Obviously, this team has C.J. Anderson, but we all know the history of C.J. Anderson. We all get excited, but 
and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he's ever topped 1,000 yards and he's missed a number of games in each of his seasons. Wouldn't surprise me at all if D'Angelo Henderson emerges as his primary backup. Not only did C.J. Anderson, has C.J. Anderson never even come close to 1,000 rushing yards, he never topped 800 rushing yards at the college level. Okay. That's not good. So... Yeah, so there there is nothing on C.J. Anderson's resume that suggests he's capable of shouldering, you know, some sort of 300-touch workload. Jamal Charles, I just – it's hard for me to imagine him being anything more than a lightly used change of pace back, which is what the Broncos have said they want him to be, uh, an 8- to 10-touch-per-game player. Devontae Booker – is out until week one at the earliest after wrist surgery. And he's Angelo Henderson is a really good athlete with four four eight speed. Um, he played in the passing game a lot at Coastal Carolina, and he set all their rushing records. And he has big playability. And he, I mean, he's built like low to the ground. I mean, he's he's five foot eight, but he's like two oh eight. You know, so he, he's 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 much more explosive than these other backs that the Broncos have. And, um, you know, I think that at most he's probably going to be a, a committee back this year, but I don't think it's crazy at all to, to suggest that D'Angelo Henderson has a chance to show, like become the Broncos best back this season. And we saw him make a big play in the preseason opener. And I know this is deep, 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 but it just shows, you know, how much of a savage I am. I, I am now taking him in MFLs that I've ended in the last few days in like rounds 18, 19, or 20 because he's still there and super far down the list. So, again, I think D'Angelo Henderson, this was just one performance, but this is one to absolutely monitor if it happens again in week two and in week three of the preseason. Let's go on to some other of the second-year quarterbacks. Um, Christian Hackenberg's stat line looked okay, right? I mean, he completed a lot of the passes that he threw. But when you look at it more, Evan, um, only two of his 25 passes traveled 10 yards or more down the field. Like everything, it, it seemed like to me, and this is a complete narrative, that they wanted him to build confidence. They wanted things to be easy. And yeah, I mean, the timing was mostly good. The accuracy was very good. But there was nothing difficult about anything that he did that allows you to then translate it to any part, any kind of success in week one. And whereas we saw Patrick Mahomes move up on the depth chart and we saw um, Nathan Peterman of the Bills move up on the depth chart coming out of that first preseason game, didn't see much movement with Christian Hackenberg. Josh McCown was still out there with the starters. So... You know, I mean, if Christian Hackenberg can't, like, go out and beat out Josh McCown, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say here. You yeah. know, I just th – th this is the worst team in football and maybe the worst team that I've ever seen entering a season, <laughs> uh, you know, since I started covering uh, football. Yeah, and really the, the Jets' number one goal should be to figure out if this is a Jimmy Clausen situation with – uh, Christian Hackenberg, so they can just move on from him. Uh, let's finish the second-year quarterbacks with Jared Goff. I was just stunned, Evan, that the Rams like didn't want to play him anymore. They played him like seven snaps, and that's it. And mm -hmm. like, why not? And I understand Andrew Whitworth isn't out there, and that offensive line did not look good in terms of of creating running lanes for Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley also didn't look good. But I mean, I, I feel like we learned nothing from Jared Goff, and I don't know how someone in the Rams position can learn nothing from Jared Goff in the first preseason game. 
Yeah, I mean, this team is just really, really starved for talent. And, you know, do you think that the coaching shift is like bring carries that enough amount of magic to turn the light on for this offense? I just don't. I just don't think they have good enough players. And, you know, coaching definitely helps. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just it's not going to turn around this team. You know, th- this team is not a good team and they have a bottom five roster. And, you know, I don't know why they're not, you know, lo- looking, giving Jared Goff a, a longer look. But, um, you know, I don't think they're going to be very good this year. I think they're going to be real, real bad. Yeah. And I mean, this we can kind of spin this towards the Sammy Watkins situation as well. In that, to me, Evan, we saw a number of of extremely talented players last year that were taken early absolutely had their seasons tanked by horrible pieces on the offensive side, namely quarterback situations. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins with Brock Osweiler, obviously. To me, I have that fear in my head that I think Jared Goff and this offensive line, other than Andrew Whitworth, obviously, can completely tank a Sammy Watkins situation. Like, now I'm and I understand people will draft him, and it's tough to say, like, well, if he's there in the fourth round, I don't take him. But I'm completely off Sammy Watkins because I, I think that this is one of those situations. Completely off. I dropped him from wide receiver 12 in my rankings to wide receiver 30. Yep. I will not draft Sammy Watkins again uh, for the rest of the, uh, of the preseason. Uh, and I really want no part of Todd Gurley either. And, yeah, I mean, I don't need to go into – necessarily Todd Gurley stuff, but he didn't create anything in this game and not necessarily anything was created for him either. But I, and again, I understand. Right. And, 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 and I, and I said that during the game and then everybody like, you know, responds with like, Oh, well he's getting hit in the backfield. Well that, you know, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that, that's what makes him unappealing as well. You yes. know, not only is he unable to create, but his offensive line is so bad that he's getting hit in the backfield. That matters too. Yeah. And just a couple quick hits, and I know he fumbled twice, but Justin Davis looked really damn good in this game, so I expect him to run more if he can keep a hold of the football with more of the second team because he looked much better than Malcolm Brown, in my opinion. Um, and I, I think it's interesting that they just kept him in the game rather than, you know, bench him, which is, I think, hashtag good for coaching. And then two, Evan, uh, I know, I remember you tweeting about Gerald Everett as soon as he caught that ball, but he was running behind Tyler Higby in this game. Yeah, I mean, not that surprising. You know, he's a rookie out of South Alabama in his first ever preseason game. And those guys, I think, are probably going to play a little bit different positions, have different roles. Gerald Everett is a wideout, man. And he moves like a wideout. I mean, even on just that one catch, you know, he just he doesn't move like a tight end. You know, he, he moves like a wide out and he his athleticism was that of of essentially a a wide receiver. Um, And He's going to be a fun guy to watch going forward. I don't, you know, the the quarterback situation is always going to be a concern for all these guys, but he's a very intriguing prospect. Let's switch this over to another tight end who's athletic and might find a role in this team that's re- or on a different team. That's Rico Gathers with uh, the Dallas Cowboys. This transformation and transition for him is is kind of unbelievable. I mean, we always talk about young tight ends slowly starting their career, struggling early on. And I'm not saying that Rico Gathers is going to have a role early on, but we've already seen him make more plays than many other prospects at his position, and he hasn't played the game since high school, right? Like, do you think it's even getting to the point, Evan, where the Cowboys have to find some type of situation for him to get in the game? 
Absolutely, and I think that what you know a, a, a good role for Rico Gathers potentially in you know, this season would be a sort of Eric Swoop sort of role where you know he is stretching the field and creating mismatches and you know you're not really exposing him to a whole lot of blocking but you know he can be another option for you in the passing game and they need that I mean Cole Beasley is a good slot receiver Des Bryant is great but Terrence Williams doesn't bring a whole lot to the table other than like being where he's supposed to and blocking well sometimes in the running game so they 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 can use another weapon they're really high on uh, the fourth round rookie Ryan Switzer but Rico Gathers has been absolutely outstanding. His preseason, and I'm not saying that he's going to break out like Jimmy Graham broke out in 2011, but his preseason, the way that he looks on the field reminds me of that 2011 preseason where it was just clear that Jimmy Graham, he just looks bigger and more athletic than everybody that he is competing against. You know, he just, he really stands out as an athlete above the rest of his competition in these games. And in the second game, I noticed that he fared a lot better as a run blocker. He struggled in the running game in the first preseason game. The Cowboys, of course, have played two because they had the Hall of Fame game. But absolutely, the the Cowboys, and the Cowboys know that because on Monday, Rico Gathers started to see some time in two tight end sets with uh, Jason Witten. There we go. And obviously some creativity would be nice in those first six weeks without Ezekiel Elliott. Who should we move on to now? Evan, I want to get your thoughts on on some of these loaded backfields, maybe not loaded backfields with top talent, but with situations that are kind of becoming clearer here, or hopefully are in the next three weeks. Um, Paul Perkins versus Shane Vereen. We saw Paul Perkins work a lot. A lot of people are excited about Paul Perkins. They've compared him to Devontae Freeman. That's not from me. That's from others. But, Evan, it seems like every single year we talk about Shane Vereen, and in 2015 he had a big year, and you think in 2017 he can have a nice year as well. Another big issue for these guys is going to be the Giants' run blocking. Um, This is an offensive line that just gives up a lot of penetration, and that's not good for a player that they're trying to cast into an interior runner role. And they seem to think that Paul Perkins is a little bit more of an interior runner um, whereas Shane Vereen, we know what he is, but Shane Vereen fits, fits this offense the best. Um, and then they have Orleans Darkwa, who they use in some short yarded situations. They just don't have very good running backs, but they're built to throw the football, um, in the short passing game and, uh, you know, to get Odell Beckham running on those slants, um, and, you know, to, to feed Brandon Marshall and use his side and, and uh, use his size and, 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 Evan Ingram, of course. Yeah. So I think that the back that just fits the Giants mentality from a personnel standpoint, the best back, the, the guy who's going to end up playing maybe the most snaps in this backfield is, is Shane Vereen. And I think we're going to have an Evan Ingram game slash week in preseason week two or preseason week three. I feel it coming. And I, I really like how, how they've used him. Uh, okay. And by the way, in the first game, and and, and 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 I agree, but in the first game, Rhett Ellison played more first-team snaps uh, than Evan Ingram did. Evan in- uh, Rhett Ellison is going to be a big part of this offense. And I mean, I know that that's not you know a sexy name, but dude can block, and they paid him a lot of money. I yep. mean, they gave him I think four years, eighteen million. Not in the grand scheme is that a lot of money, but that's a lot of money for a guy who's like a, a role player, and that guy's going to probably be on the field a lot. Okay, Thomas Rawls versus Eddie Lacy. Evan, break that down because Eddie Lacy is going far above Thomas yeah. Rawls, but Thomas Rawls is running ahead of Eddie Lacy. I've had no Eddie Lacy. 
Yeah. Uh, but I had him like in the late 20s, I think. Uh, Eddie Lacy is a guy to avoid. And, uh, you know, Th- Thomas Rawls is starting ahead of him. And C.J. Procise is going to be active in the passing game. And Chris Carson, the rookie, looks better than all of them. You know, so it's it's a really difficult uh, backfield to invest in. I think throwing a double-digit round dart at Thomas Rawls makes some sense. Maybe at C.J. Procise, but I still think that C.J. Procise might need two injuries, one to Rawls and one to Lacey, to really realize, you know, his potential. Um, but Eddie Lacey is, you know, he, he's a guy that I'm, I'm pretty much avoiding. And, you know, people are re- going to regret all those shares, I think, of Eddie Lacey in like the sixth and seventh rounds. Yeah. Let's do some quick hits on Jamal Williams and Samaj P. Ryan. Evan, a lot of people are excited about uh, both of these players in the football community, but I think both showed absolutely nothing. And I think that's on the optimistic level. They might have shown even worse than that. Yeah. P. Ryan is just, he's just a rookie. And, He's, you know, based on what we've seen so far, not only in training camp, but in the preseason opener, he's not ready to make a run at Rob Kelly. And Rob Kelly is a a total jag, but the coaching staff can trust him. And then Chris Thompson is going to pull all of the the receiving work away from these guys. So although this is a good offense and, you know, you can maybe tell yourself a story where somebody scores some touchdowns in this backfield – you know, there's so little clarity and their upside is limited by the presence of Chris Thompson that just kind of letting other other people draft those guys. Once again, I think this is screaming towards like Samaj P. Ryan. If he's going to start, it's like week five or week six of the regular season. And by that point, you've had him on your roster for four or five weeks and it's be, he's been completely worthless. So it's just and, and again, I'd like Samaj P. Ryan. I like Jamal Williams, but it, they're of no use to me right now unless they do show substantially more in the next few weeks. Uh, let's go to Leonard Fournette. Obviously, this is, and I, I laugh because I think it's somewhat ironic, and I hate using that word, but hilarious, that after his rookie performance, he says the league is easy, or it's easier than he was expecting, and then he goes out and hurts his toe or ankle or whatever it is, and it's not like this guy has had a clean bill of health in his past, Evan. No, that foot injury that he battled last season at LSU was it was huge. I mean, I remember when I first went back and looked at his games in the first like two or three games that I watched were when he was playing through that foot injury and he looked bad. He yep. looked like a, a guy that, I mean, I, you know, I thought he was severely overrated. And then, you know, I, I was, or I think it was you who told me, well, you know, he was injured at that point. And so I watched other games and I was like, wow, you know, th- th- this dude really, really is, and, is pretty awesome. And it wasn't even just two or three games. It was like that entire season. Like I, I asked yeah. you to go back to It was an injury season. that he had in training camp yep. and then he played a while and then he like aggravated it. And we don't even know if this is the same injury, but if it is, that's, that's very worrisome. Very worrisome, especially now where he is being drafted um, and he's already been ruled out for the second preseason game. It, it just, it, it begs the question, how much are we going to see of him before the season starts? And it's the comfort level of knowing, like if we're talking rookie running backs, Evan, I, and I know their ADP is quite different. I would much rather take Joe Mixon and I would much rather take Dalvin cook right now than Leonard Fournette. You know who I want to watch more? Corey Grant, baby. Corey Grant. <laughs> what do you have? Like a 97 yard touchdown in this game? Yeah, you know Corey Grant dominated last week 17. He um, wound up as the Jaguars feature back. Last week 17, he had 18 rushes for 122 yards and a touchdown. Um, 
I don't I don't know. I can't remember what you what you thought of Corey Grant coming out, but I, don't I mean think I, I, I had think an he could play. Corey Grant. I don't okay. think I had an opinion. But even it, it and it seems like just from watching this game that they also want T J Yeldon to be like the passing down back as well. Like just three Anyways, I just I just want an arm's distance away from from Jacksonville's backfield, and just yeah, quickly I, because I, I I love Miles Jack so much coming out of school. I know there's been some positive buzz about him, Evan. I thought he looked like lethargic on the field. Like I, I think he was swimming. I think he didn't know what was going on, and the team already moved him outside of that true inside linebacker spot and putting him on the strong side in base linebacker sets. And then he'll probably be on the field in nickel situations, but uh, he he wasn't the you know, fluid athlete that I remembered at UCLA. So maybe my eyes just lied to me. Yeah. I don't know about that because the reports from the Florida times union and from the Jaguars beats is that he has looked slow on the practice field and that he has not been. And and also that he has a tendency to over pursue. Um, So he's made mistakes in practice and there's a reason that they're, that they're moving him back, back to strong side linebacker. You know, it's not, you you can't sugarcoat that. That is asking Miles Jack to play a lesser valued role than you initially had him ticketed for. After one game in the preseason. So you know he was showing this in training camp as well. Like it wasn't, you know, week one of the regular season. Exactly. It's week two of the preseason, which we don't see that happening very often. You know, someone calling plays than to not calling plays within, you know, just a few days span. Uh, I guess we should close here with the Eagles. Mac Hollins to me, Evan and I'm not sure if this comparison is going to make sense. He's like what, in just this one performance, I know, but he's like outside version of Jordan Matthews. In that, he was able, I mean, he's obviously big, athletic, able to create on his own after the catch and looked extremely fluid. As we know, Jordan Matthews had that promise coming out of school but was solely a slot receiver. And that's interesting for Matt Collins because at UNC, all we saw him do was run down the field and, again, look athletic, but it's not like we saw him do that much after the catch in a situation like he did in week one. Yeah, and I will always have, like, an affinity for these big guys who, you know, run pretty well and, you know, average 21 yards per reception in college. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a very intriguing guy. He's a little bit older, I think. Um, yeah, he will be 24 as a rookie. Um, but you know, Alshon is on a one-year deal. Tory Smith is is year to year uh, as it gets. You know, with five hundred thousand dollars guaranteed in his three-year deal, um, and they already moved on from Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar. Although he has apparently shown something in training camp because he dropped a pass in the preseason opener. Um, you know, there, there, there's very much to be sorted out long term in the Eagles receiver core. And I think that's why they took a couple of shots yeah. uh, in the middle rounds at receiver. And Matt Collins so far has stood out as a significantly better investment, again, so far than Shelton Gibson, who I don't even think is going to make the team. Um, I don't even think that Zach Ertz is very good at football, but I'm even going to buy Zach Ertz this season because I think he um, is kind of the winner of this whole shuffle for their wide receiver receiving core so far. So I like him too. So, however, would you take him over Martellus Bennett or Delaney Walker? Um, I don't have any Zachary shares yet. I have tons of Delaney would Walker. Would you? Would you? Would I? It, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. If 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 I want to, the the right of, answer is no. Okay. <laughs> my 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 only my only reason for hesitating was if I want to you know distribute a lot of my picks that I'm doing, then maybe I would think about it. But no, I. I think I'm going to go with Delaney. I think I'm going to go with Martellus. 
So I have Kyle Rudolph and Tyler Eifert in a tier together. Yeah. And then I have Delaney Walker and Martellus Bennett in a tier together. And I thought about moving Zach Ertz up to that tier, but I think I'm going to leave him in the Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron tier. Uh, there's been a lot of made about Danell Pumphrey, you know, some comparisons to Darren Sproles, whatever. Aaron, uh, uh, I just called you Aaron. Evan. I don't think that he showed a lot of explosiveness in this one. And again, it's one week. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, but the more I look at that backfield, the more I think that Darren Sproles is the one I want at his price. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to dominate uh, playing time, number right. one. Uh, this is going to be, I think, definitely more of a three receiver offense. And, you know, they're going to be in the shotgun. And Darren Sproles is going to be back there. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt is so limiting to an offense. Yeah. You know, and LeGarrette Blunt got a ton of his production running behind James Devlin last year in New England. The Eagles didn't have a fullback on the roster last year, and they don't have a fullback on the roster this year. So it's it's a big, big it's a sea change for LeGarrette Blunt. And Darren Sproles is he's going to completely crush his. 12th round or whatever ADP. I mean, he's he's such a cinch to go from, you know, you draft him at RB55 and he's going to finish he's going to finish at a top 25 PPR running back. And once again, this is preseason week 1, but like Garrett Blunt was hitting the backfield quite a lot in this game and he really just couldn't get going. And yeah, I, I don't think Darren Sproles cuz what this is the last year of his career most likely. Like we we I doubt we see him in the preseason, so that might even just help his value come draft weekend. Uh is there anyone else you want to hit on? Is, is there is there a player that you're excited about because we covered so many for week one? Is there a player that either had a great performance, down performance, or didn't play at all in week one of the preseason that you're looking forward to seeing in preseason week two? Want to see more of Dante Foreman. Okay. Who looked pretty good uh, in his limited opportunities last week, but you know Alfred Blue is the veteran there. Foreman needs to overtake Alfred Blue, and I don't think that that's – by you know by any means a lock i mean dante foreman has more theoretical upside of course but alfred blue has been there this is third year under bill o'brien and he's someone that they can rely on and sometimes that ensures that that veterans stay on the field ahead of raw rookies who had only one big season in college have never caught passes you know have to learn for, to pass block from scratch uh, but I, but hey, Dante Foreman can you know he can theoretically blow the doors off if everything kind of moves into place for him, and that team is going to run the ball. They have been top ten in the NFL in rushing attempts each of the three seasons that Bill O'Brien has been uh, their coach, and so there is there are going to be there's going to be work in that backfield uh, dedicated to a player other than Lamar Miller. And to me, Dante Foreman is a big back who plays small a bit too often. I think he showed that in the, his first game. But he also had positive carries as well. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm looking forward to see Zay Jones in week two. Hopefully we do. Um, because, again, I, I think of the receivers that they have on the team, I think he's most likely to succeed on the outside other than Andre Holmes. But I don't really want to draft Andre Holmes. Uh, Evan, uh, we did it. We have podcasts for Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Obviously, thank you all for listening. And again, these are opinions from week one of the preseason. Just, you know, one series, multiple series, not very much to go off of. But hopefully you can take a little bit of what we talked about, spin it forward, see what happens in week two and week three. And we'll be back again, hopefully, next week to talk about it. Evan, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. 
Awesome. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.